0: Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are life. You are Amen. Just bear with me a little bit today. Uh, I feel good spiritually, but not great physically. More than just the fast. but So just bear with me. I might be a little bit slower than not. I might be drinking some more water. I might cough a little bit here and there. Um, where do we start, right? We're, we're, we're on our seventh day of what's a total of 14 days of, of prayer and fasting. Um, so it's so good to say, okay, we're halfway there. I was, I'm setting little goals throughout this fast. Today was a goal, to make it today. And um, the halfway mark is a good place because you say, wait a minute. And if you're a runner and you're an athlete, maybe if you've ever have competed, maybe you've thought like this, wait a minute, if I've done it this way, if I've done it this far, all I have to do is do it again. Of course I can do it. So, you know, I, you start to trick your mind um, and, and you start to uh, align your, your mind correctly. Halfway there, if you are um, in this fast and you're halfway there, congratulations. Amen. You're doing it. You're doing it. Congratulations, um, but as we close in our on our fast, this is my encouragement to you. And as I get into this thought today, make this next week count. Like make it count for real. Um, maybe you're here, and, and there's someone you know that hasn't started this fast. Like uh, you know, I was even thinking about not coming today because I knew you guys were going to talk about fasting. Maybe you haven't started the fast, or for whatever reason you couldn't join us. Um, you also have the privilege to know that it's. We're halfway, so finish us off. We're going to pass the baton. Finish us off with us. Finish off with us on the second half. And maybe start with us this week. So um, I encourage you to do that. We're going to start waking up tomorrow at 5.30 in the morning. And we're going to be in prayer for uh, for 30 minutes. And then if you are off tomorrow, go back to sleep or start an early breakfast, whatever you desire. Um, but join us. Join us. We have, um, we have so many people that are joining us at 5.30 in the morning. If you're joining us at 5.30 in the morning, I mean, at least I could say this. It's been such a blessing, hasn't it? And uh, we just thank you for joining us. Um, we applaud you. We congratulate you. And we want to invite everyone else um, to join us. And you might say, well, how do I join? Go to Zoom. Yeah, it's going in now. Thank you, Rudy. Rudy's on top of the game. Amen. Amen. Um, so join us uh, on Zoom, go to Zoom, and just put our church's phone number, 3058249008 on the meeting ID, and, um, and that's it, that's all we got to do. So I'm praying to hear stories of breakthroughs, um, that's what we've been sharing here at our Nest, maybe you haven't been here for a while, maybe this is your first time, we welcome you, hopefully you got a blue box. We welcome you, we give you a hug. Hopefully if you're new here and this is your first time as a guest, you've been bombarded with hugs. We, we are people that like to give hugs. So I'm sorry about that. Just let us know next time, hey, not so many hugs and we'll work on that. But, but hopefully you receive some hugs and some welcomes um, for all the new people that are here. Uh, but join us, join us. And uh, we've, we've been speaking about breakthrough here since October um, at our nest. And, and that's how we started the year as well, starting in January. We continued, so as we come now to the second half, the second half of our prayer and of our fasting, uh, I'm going to ask you this again. You're going to hear me share this later on. Um, How are you doing uh, with the things that need attention in your life? If you were here last week, you remember that, encouragement. Throughout this fast, pay attention to those things. There are things in our lives that need attention. You know exactly what they are. There is no way that I could come up here and tell you what your things are. And maybe the person next to you could help assist you with some of those things. But there are some deep things or a deep thing that's between you and God. And you know that it needs attention to. And God wants to deal with that. How many of you can say yes? And he wants to work in that. And he wants to love you in that. So jump on this fast with us if you haven't yet. And really pay attention to those things. And I want you to answer that, um, that thing that only you can answer. I hope you've been inspired. I hope there's been some sort of impact um, in your life in some of those places, uh, because I know that God is doing a work in many of our lives throughout this fast. Praise God. So I want to get into today's message. I was sharing this in 930 Huddle, and maybe for the new people, forgive me. If not, maybe God's going to speak to you. But it's a little bit different just because, I don't know, I'm just feeling a little bit different this week. So, I, I really want to share my heart and what the Lord was, was working in me throughout this week preparing to be here today, and I was thinking throughout the week about a certain man in the Bible, and this man continued to come up into my mind, two people really, and I'll share the other one later, but, I, but it started with thinking about one gentleman in the Bible. Throughout the whole week, I just, and even a little bit of last week as well, I couldn't uh, get him out of my mind. And his name is Naaman. I don't know if you've ever heard of Naaman. But if you have not heard of Naaman, today I would like to introduce you to a real person who lived, whose name was Naaman. Naaman, we see him in 2 Kings chapter 5. For you guys that are taking notes, very important. 2 Kings chapter 5 introduces us to Naaman. And as it introduces us to Naaman, the first verse of 2 Kings 5 starts the introduction. Almost like reading his resume. And it begins to speak of Naaman. And I'm going to introduce you to him today. I can't bring him to you. you know. I mean, this was too many years ago. But I want you to get a picture of who he was as I introduce him to you. Naaman, in 2 Kings 5, is introduced, I, I, the best way to start is, is as a great man. He's introduced as a great man. It says that he was great and that he was honorable. It was a man who was a commander of the army, specifically the army of Syria. So he was a leader, great, honorable, commander of his army. He was a man that his king had great respect for and admiration for. So we see that Naaman is respected, admired, and it says that he gained favor By the powerful elite, by the powerful people of his day. He had favor with those individuals. It says that Naaman was a man of valor, meaning that he had great courage. He had courage to confront difficult tasks and difficult battles. He was a man of valor. This Naaman that I'm introducing to you, it says, was a mighty warrior. I mean, think, I mean, this is a great resume. This is a great introduction. A mighty warrior. It says that through him, the Lord had given many victories to Syria. Imagine if that is written about you. Through you, the Lord gave many victories in your family. So Naaman was wise. He was wise in warfare. He was strategic in battles. He was fair in his dealings. Uh, he was the best at what he did. Naaman was the best at what he did. He was a um, commander of commanders. Naaman was. I- I'm thinking that it must have felt of great honor if you were a soldier that was being led by him. Oh, who? whose rank? Who, who are you under? Whose leadership are you under? I'm under the great leadership of the general Naaman. It must have been an amazing thing to say that you fought for Naaman. That you answered to his call. What a privilege it was for those soldiers. Because Naaman, if you're listening to this introduction, he was a legend. He was a legend in all that he did. His name was known. His his person was respected. All of this is how he is described in one verse. It doesn't take ten verses. It doesn't take a whole chapter. In one verse, one verse, it describes all of this about him. So you and I could come to this end, right? The conclusion is that there's a lot of good in Naaman. There's a lot of good. We just introduced him to you and all the accolades and all the respect and favor and power and honor and truth that he had under his belt. All described in, in one verse. There's a lot of good in Naaman. But I thought about this as I was thinking of Naaman. Just as I look around this room, I can say there's a lot of good in this room as well. We're talking about naming. We're introducing Naaman. But if I talk about you and I introduce you, I'm sure there's a lot of good in this room as well. How many of you know some good people in this room? I do. I know some really good people in this room. We take out Naaman's resume. We read all the accolades and all the victories and all the references that he has listed in his resume. I mean the king. Imagine in your resume, kings and presidents and governors, like we read it all and we we come to this. But one conclusion, and it's this, that he's our man for the job. And you may say, what job? Any job we need. Bring Naaman. He's got it. He's the man for the job. Naaman, as we describe him, let's, ha- let's, let's have Naaman run for president. Let's have him take over the company. I mean, Naaman, he's the man. I want you to know that. As we look at Naaman in verse 1, he's the one. He is The man. All of that in verse 1. But there's something that I haven't mentioned yet, and I'm doing it on purpose, obviously. There's something that I'm leaving out of Naaman's life. I told you all his good. I told you all his accolades. I told you all the favor he has. I told you all the victories of battle he's had. I told you that he's a man of valor. I told you that he's a trustworthy man. He's a respected man. Naaman was the man, but there's something I've left out. Something and I really feel this heavy on me that defines who he is and where he's at in this specific moment of his life. Not only was he all these great things. But there was also this other thing, and it's just this one other thing that he carried with him, and it's one thing that we cannot ignore. You want to know why we can't ignore it? We can't ignore it because the people of his day, they would never have ignored it as well. And if they would not have ignored it in Naaman's day, there is no way we could ignore it today and pretend like it's not there. Are you listening to me? You're like, tell me what it is. Well, you got to study the... Maybe I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> One verse, after telling us all the good that Naaman was, at the end of that same verse, maybe I should say it this way, ready? At the end Of that introduction was mentioned in such a way, in that same verse, in that same introduction, all that good that was about naming, there was also this one thing that was mentioned. And it's almost as if it was to discredit all the things mentioned right before. I mean, do you understand? Here's all these wonderful things. He's accomplished all these great feats. But then it says this, but he's a leper. And it freaks you out when you read it. Because I'm like, why did you have to put my dude Naaman on blast? Why did you have to throw Naaman under the bus like that? He was a good fighter. He was a good warrior. He was loyal to his king, to his country. He was a man who the Lord honored, gave him great victories. Naaman is the man but you decided to put in the scripture, but he's also a leper. This is the word of God amazing. When I read it, I get this feeling as if that one thing he has that is negative was just mentioned And it did something to me as I read it. Because I'm wondering if you understand the power that this has over someone's life. I've been involved in the church for many years. And I've been part of it. Or we've been part of it. Or I've seen it. I've seen the church do some very ugly things because of one thing that one person still holds on to. Man, listen. I'm wondering if any of us could relate to Naaman and say, you know, I feel like I'm holding on to things in my life that's weighing me down. It's weighing down all the good that the Lord has caused me to walk in. Or maybe it has drowned all the good in which the Lord has, has used you in in times past. Naaman, he is the man, but he's also a Leper, how does? Come on, when I blow Laman up, yeah, maybe people start calling him layman. <laughs> he was naming, oh, but now he's layman. and and you blow up Laman and you say all these great things about him, but at the end I say, as I'm entirely speaking to you about this person, but he's a leper. What does that do to you? When I tell you all the good about someone. But I tell you that one failure in their life, I tell you that one struggle that they carry in their life, well, you don't, I know I'm speaking to the right people in the right gathering from the right church. You mean to tell me that none of you have carried a failure in your life before? You mean to tell me that none of you? have carried a weakness that you have had to identify and you're scared to speak about it because you're scared the shame that others are going to put you in. You're great in so many things. You're awesome. You are a man, a woman of God, but you have this one thing you hold on to. But I'm, but I'm also this leper. Uh, well, well, I have. I could relate to Naaman. He's the man... Think about this in our lives. All these great things. I don't have time to go into all of it. All these great qualities, but he, she is divorced. And we automatically say, all these great things and all these great qualities, but look at this failure upon that person. It's what we do to people. Don't we do that as well sometimes? Sometimes we do it to ourselves. And we disqualify ourselves from serving God because of a failure in your life. And you forgot that Peter failed not once, not twice. We see the record of three times, but trust me, it was so much more. But God is so good that later on he comes to revisit Peter and still restores him and says, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, then go and do what I've called you to do. You can't disqualify that which I've qualified you to walk in. We do it to ourselves. I do it. Do you know how many Sundays I want to come up here and say, today's my last Sunday because I live disqualifying myself. We do it to ourselves. We struggle with our own failures. We struggle with our own weaknesses. We struggle with our own sin that we committed. And we're like, oh, look at this. I'll never be used again. Says who? Then you don't know the God that I serve. Then you don't know the God that restores. Then you don't know the God that heals and delivers. Then you don't know the God that we are praying and fasting for. Why else have we been preaching and speaking about breakthrough if we're not gonna truly believe it in our lives? Not only do we do it to people, not only do we do it to ourselves, but this is crazy. We allow others to do it to us. Like who are they? Who are they to tell me something opposite than what God has already confirmed? Do you know how many times I've sat with people and they've tried to speak something opposite that God has already spoken to me? Who are they? The only thing they are is the power that you give them to have. We've preached that here. That's called personal power. We've talked about that. The power that you give people. Truth be said, if we talk honest like we do here so often, there is no perfection in this room. There is no perfection in any of us. And I am gladly, and I will gladly say, starting with me. The truth is we all carry failure. We all carry a weakness. We all carry imperfection. Can you imagine? I'm sorry. I know I'm really chewing on this a lot. But can you imagine every time you're introduced? Every time. Every time you're introduced. I met a couple new guests here today. Thank God you weren't introduced like this. Or thank God I wasn't introduced like this to you. That would have been very sad. But imagine this. Hey, this is Joe. And if there's a Joe here today, forgive me. I'm not talking about you. I just figured Joe's the name that everyone uses all the time when they do this stuff. Right? Joe Smith? Or John. John. John Smith. We're going to use Joe. It's shorter. Hey, this is Joe. Hey, Joe. And you introduce him. Ready? I know it's John. But we're going to use Joe today. Joe is the CEO and the owner of his company. And you're like, your eyes are, wow. Joe, he, he built it from the ground up. He donates his money. And he's heavily involved in various organizational groups who fed and saved thousands of children around the world. Joe is, is filled with compassion, man. He's smart. He's, he's trustworthy. And you're like, wow. And then you're like, but Joe's a leper. I mean, I say leper because you're going to have to put in the blank of leper whatever you feel it is. Joe's an adulterer. Joe struggles with um Sexuality. Can you imagine calling someone's, like, deep thing as you introduce them? Naaman was called out. He was a lot of good things, he was a, but he was a leper. Can, can you imagine? All right, now bring in the words. Pastor Ego. Pastor Ego has been serving the Lord here at Nest for 15 years. Oh, my God, there's been days that he's wanted to quit, but he stayed faithful. He's been married, another success for 14 years. He has two children. But he's a, and I, I, I'm shameful to say it out loud. See how I can relate to the amen? I don't know if I would preach after that introduction. Man, you had me. It was so good. But when you mentioned my weakness, but when you mentioned my struggle, but when you mentioned my pain, I mean, you fill out what, that, what your leprosy is. I'm going to use the word leprosy today, but you're going to have to define what leprosy is in your life. Amen? So here's my question to you. And then. This is going to be funny. It's an interesting word today. Sorry if it's different than what you're used to. but And then we're going to read it, and then we're going to end. I know, it's weird. Watch this. So here's a question to you. Would God have such dealings with a man like Naaman after learning, wait, he's a leper. Would God have such dealings with a man like Naaman? How would you answer that? I mean, your godly answer, your biblical answer would be yes, God would deal with him. God, God's going to work with him. How about you? Seriously. I almost want to grab one of the new people, but I'm scared they'll never come back. Can I grab one of the new people? I'm waiting for them to say yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought, I, were you nodding at me? <laughs> What's your name? Introduce yourself to everyone. Hi, Adriana. Adriana, please come back, Okay. We're going to stop the service and pray that Adriana comes back. <laughs> but this is, this is her first time here. Her first time here. We, the truth is, Adriana, we don't know anything about you. It's so easy. My wife's right here. That's my wife, Adriana. Nancy, Adriana. <laughs> so it's so easy to hug Adriana. It's so easy to invite to Adriana. to. You should come to Hubs. It's a small group. Okay. I was trying to figure it out. We're gonna take care of all your problems today after service. Don't worry It's so easy to say, come Friday to worship, Adriana. It's so easy to say after after church today, I want to get to know you more, let's go have some coffee. Because a lot of people can't eat because they're fasting and but some will eat salads and carbs with you and Or meat, if they're doing the opposite, meat. It's so easy to do all these things, but then. I wonder how you would respond. When Adriana says what she does for living, wow, well, that's good. When Adriana talks about some of the victories and successes she's had, and i like, wow, Adriana, I'm so blessed to meet you. When Adriana and her awesome character and her awesome smile is to, wow, she's such a blessing to have at our church. But I'm wondering, Adriana, this is the, the church that I pastor, so I'm wondering how they'll respond when Adriana opens up about some very deep things, I'm wondering if this group of people will reject someone like Adriana or will you even more accept someone like Adriana? Adriana's all these good things, but what about if I revealed to you her leprosy? Will you still hug her and say, come Wednesday, come Friday, let's go have coffee? Because that's what God would do. I'm wondering if God's people will do that. Amen, Adriana. You can sit down. Let's give it up. Can we give her a prize? <laughs> it's like a talk show game, you know? Can we give her a prize? Can we give her like. And now she's won for participating. God can deal with those things, Adriana. But I'm wondering if the people of God would deal with it. Would we be willing to deal with it when Adriana messes up or when someone in our church fails or when someone stumbles, do we turn our back or do we come alongside them and say, I'm here to deal with it, with you? I mean, we know the rest of the story if you've ever heard the story of Naaman. It's a popular one in the Old Testament, a real popular one. But this is what I would like to do. Let's just read it. I'm not going to get into all the details because really I don't want to do that today and I don't have time, but let's just read it. And as you read it, let's see what happens and let's see what the Lord shows you. Maybe I'll ask some questions today. And as you read it, catch the desperation. As you read it, catch the twists and turns that happens quickly in this story. I mean, it's fast. Are you ready? We've already read verse 1, right? He's all these great things, but he's a leper. Verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. So now Naaman's wife has this servant from Israel. And watch this. And then she said to her mistress, she said this to Naaman's wife, If only my master, your husband, were the prophet, if only my master were with the prophet, who is in Samaria for he would heal him of his you fill in the blank of your leprosy she says if only Naaman would come to know the prophet his leprosy would be gone and Naaman he hears about this in verse 4 and he went and and went and told his master saying thus and thus said the girl um, who is from the land of Israel so the king who Naaman responds to uh, uh, who is under his leadership the king now of Syria says go then Go now and I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman departs. He takes with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 changes of clothing. Trust me, this is the high end of clothing. You're like, oh my God, who cares? No, no, this is rich people's clothing. $1,000 suits. and You you get what I'm saying? And and, and he's bringing in a lot of money. So he brings the letter to the king of Israel. And this is what it says. Be advised. When this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his? That's your leprosy, whatever it is. And it happened that when the king of Israel read this letter, he tore his clothes and he said, Am I God to kill and make alive? That this man sends a man to heal him of his leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel, how he seeks to fight with me. The, The king of Israel gets offended. This guy's mocking me. He wants to fight with me like if I have the opportunity with all this riches, with all this money, with all these clothes that he brought me. Like if I have the ability to heal this man. Does this sound like a story in the New Testament? We'll visit it when we close. Verse 8. So it was, Elisha the man of God heard that the king of Israel tore his clothes. And he sent to the king, and this is what he said to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him, Naaman, let Naaman come to me, and you shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with an entourage, okay? He went in horses and with his chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger, and he said, Go, and he says, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious. Are you seeing the twist and turns, the ups and downs? But Naaman became furious, and he went away, and he said, Indeed... I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Naaman is a little bothered that Elijah would not give time to come and see him personally. You've ever gone through that with someone? I can't believe they didn't pay attention to me. I have. Are not the waters, the rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? This is Naaman, still going on a rant. I mean, he's probably cursing, he's mad. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away and he's filled with rage, it says. And his servant came near to him and spoke to him. He says, hey, um, boss, <laughs> if, the fo- if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he says to you, "Wash and be clean"? What is his friend telling him? What is his one of his underlings telling him? Just do what he says, man. What do you have to lose? So, verse fourteen. Thank God, naming he hears. He's a wise man. Remember, I introduced you to him already. He went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of Elisha, the man of God. In his flesh. And his flesh—love this verse. I love this part. Ready. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. I feel like the description there is very important because of what the Lord spoke to me. And he was clean. What does that mean? He was always dirty when he had leprosy. He was an unclean person. He should be an outcast. He should not be welcomed in. He should live by himself with other lepers. We should not receive him. How dare this leper be associated with such amazing people like Nest Church? That's what they would do to him. He's an outcast outside. You can't come into the sanctuary. You can't come to the dinner table. He was washed and yet he was clean. And it says, he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, the entourage, and he came and he stood before him and he said, indeed, now I know that there is no God in all of the earth except Israel. He's basically saying, your God is the one true God. All right, let's have class. Let's have a conversation. What did you get? I don't know, what did did that word just tell you? Scream it so everyone could hear you. He was made new. New creation, he was made new. No more association with his old life or that thing that he carried, that shame. Anyone else? To have faith. Just do what God tells you to do. Why are you doubting? Why do you get upset at God when it's something that you don't agree with, right? Have faith. Have you ever been there? What else did you get out of this passage? God can restore anyone. Amen. Yeah. it could be the small things that God's healing is found in not in the grandeur of things just the small things obedience sorry failure is not final. Hmm. anyone in here feel like a failure he just said it's not final the word of God is showing us it's not final failure is not final let go of your pride let go of of your pride and do the work. Man, you guys are preaching the word. He was encouraged by his servant when he, the leader, was about to quit and leave. You know how many people quit on church, quit on God, and they've led people with their lives? Thank God, naming didn't quit and leave with rage. Anyone else? It's good stuff. Yeah, his king had enough faith to even release him and say, "Yeah, do it. Let's see what God does." So many good things, right? Can we put just verse 14 on the screen? So he went down he dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God, Elisha and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean man when I read that my heart leaped because all I heard was this I want to restore you back into innocence. That's all I heard from God. I want you to notice that his flesh does not go back to Naaman's likeness. It goes back to a time of innocence when he was a child. Children have innocence in them. And when he heals him, he heals him to a place of innocence. Innocence. I'm wondering, as we are in the halfway point of our fast, if there's someone here that right now, you don't have to wait to the 14th day, you don't have to go see prophet so-and-so, and you don't have to go sign up to a $3,000 conference. All you need to do is come before the presence of God and say, Lord, restore me and bring me back to the place of innocence again in my life. That's called identity so that the things that have called me to become guilty and a failure are no longer what identifies me but the things that are righteous, true and are of God have purified me and now I live in the innocence of God as we're in this moment of this fast is there anyone that is in this place so the question that I asked and I will ask again is this Does God want dealings with such a man and woman? With such a people? What's your answer? Yes, he does. Today's message is titled, The Lord Wants to Deal With It. The Lord wants to deal with it. What does God want to deal with? With whatever it is, with your leprosy with my leprosy. He wants to deal with whatever it is, whether it's divorce, adultery, murder, homosexuality, depression, lust, and the list goes on. The Lord says, I will deal with it. And I will work in you. Who are we to cast off another when the Lord says, bring them and let me receive them. And let me restore them to innocence. So let these days... These last days, I'm going to call them because it sounds better. The last days of our fast, let it deal with these things. Don't get out of the water too soon. If you're on the fifth dip and you get out, you say, well, at least I dipped five times. You're still half obedience. It's still full of disobedience. Go back for the sixth and the seventh dip. Go back for the uh, 16th and 17th and go back to the next days of fasting. Do it. Don't get out of the water too soon. Let the process of what the Lord wants to do in your life take course. Recognize it. God's doing something in me. And then what? Be obedient to it. The word that we've been speaking of here is called breakthrough. And God wants to move in your life. So let's become his offering as we shared during worship. Let's become his offering of obedience. Naaman. Oh, man, was he mate? But. He was a leper. You don't want to know what? But he was made like a child again. You could give God praise for that if not, but but that's the reality. He was made back into his innocence. We need to rewrite his script. We need to rewrite his story. I'm sorry, I didn't think about this, but maybe it says, Naaman, a great man, great and honorable commander of his army a great uh, respected admired had high favor um, a man of valor great courage and all difficulty a mighty warrior um wise in warfare strategic in his battles fair in his dealings the best of what he did commander of the commanders but was also restored back into his righteousness back into his innocence can you imagine that all glory to god all glory to christ the Restorer. All glory to Christ the Redeemer. All glory to the cross that died for your sin and your shame and your discomfort and all those things that you carry and your failure to then resurrect in power and says, wait a minute, if I died on the cross for all those things that you're carrying, you need to come to a place to realize that I've also resurrected from the dead. So let you resurrect into a place of innocence again. Resurrect into a place of healing and restoration again. I, w- I didn't call you to walk in this land with shame, with with all those things over your head but you walk in the freedom in which Christ has called you because of the work of the cross death and resurrection man that's what that's who we are so I'm going to end and as I end naming yes he was but a leper but that leper was worked and the Lord dealt with it and the Lord deals with me and if you've been walking with the Lord long enough he deals with you And he wants to do just this. He wants to move and work and deal with these things in your life. So as I close, I thought about another person throughout the week. And Naaman reminds me of a woman. A woman in the New Testament with the flow of blood. How many of you thought about her today? A woman with the flow of blood. Does anyone know her name? All we know is her. Shame. Who are we just to call her the woman with the flow of blood? You think when she gets to heaven, the Lord says, and now, angels, get ready, entering into the pearly gates is none other than the woman with the flow of blood. The the scripture says he knows us by name. He's not going to call you according to your shame. The woman with the... That's what we call this poor lady. I can't wait to meet her in heaven. I'm so sorry. I didn't know your name all these years. So I always called you the woman with discharge. Can I please know your name so that while we are in eternity forever together, I want to know your name so I could call you properly I don't want to be like woman with the flow of blood <laughs> the Holy Spirit's making coffee do, like do you want some? like no I wa-. but that's how we know her what a title <laughs> what is your don't say it because I want to guard you maybe right now is not the time to say it rhetorical what is your greatest shame? What is your greatest, whatever you consider a failure? What is your greatest weakness? Imagine every introduction is oh, that's some um, so and so with a so and so, so and so. Can you imagine? That woman is in heaven, and is like, God, they, they preach it about me again. The woman with the flow of blood. He's almost, she's almost like, Lord, please just reveal them my name already. So they can stop calling me that. Imagine that every time you're spoken about, oh, I know who you're talking about. You're talking about the woman with the flow of blood. What a title. Leprosy. This discharge, this ongoing flow of blood. Two cases in which the person would be casted out, put to shame. A lot of people don't come to church because they're scared that if they open up about what's really inside, they get casted out. Did you know that? We call ourselves the hospital, the healing place where God does signs, wonders, and miracles. But then we have a community of peoples that are scared to come in here and to really share what's really deep going on deep down inside. Because what is brother and sister so-and-so going to say about me? Two cases that would be casted out, that would have no dealings with anyone, leprosy, flow of blood. You can't be in our square. You can't be in our groups. They would be considered unclean. Naaman came with gifts and money but that couldn't heal him. It was only God's power. The woman, if you read her story, in Luke chapter 8, she spent all her money on physicians and remedies, and that couldn't heal her. It was only Christ that could heal her. They're very similar. Naaman had to be obedient and get into the water to dip seven times. The woman had to be obedient and get in the crowd to reach one hard time. Disguising herself because no one could see her. So she was covering herself so no one saw her in the crowd. And yet both of these individuals and many others, I'm just, I don't have time to get into all of them, would be restored to health, would be restored to innocence. And I could tell you today as we close, the Lord wants dealing with your leprosy. Whatever it is, the Lord wants dealing with it. Do you want to know what Jesus does in the New Testament? He's walking in the crowd and the woman is like, I'm full of blood. Nothing has helped me. Nothing has solved this. This is a painful thing and it's very shameful. And I can't even see my own kids and my own family. For so many years, 12 years, and she finds out that this healer named Jesus, who's healed people in the other town, is going to walk through her town. And she says, This is my only chance to touch him. My only t- a chance to get healing. And she reaches in a massive crowd. We don't know if it's hundreds or thousands. And she touches the hem of his garments. And Jesus, when she touches in Luke 8, 45, listen to this. He says, who touched me? I know this is where some theology is going to get really tricky. Ready? We always talk about God touching you. When was the last time you touched God? You touched them through this fasting and prayer? Have you touched them through worship? He says, who touched me? Who touched me? And Peter says, Oh my God, you're crazy. Master, the multitudes have thronged and pressed upon you. (laughs) Thousands of hands have touched you, Master. What do you mean who touched you? Look, I'm touching you. Touch, Peter. And then Jesus says, No. Somebody touched me. For I perceive power going out from me. Lord, I want you to touch me. But I, I, will I be daring enough to say, Lord, allow me to be faithful enough to come and touch you. To stretch out in faith. To take a step of faith. See, the Lord wants to deal with those things in you, church. Don't think you're fast and don't think your prayers don't touch him because I do believe that your prayers and your fast touches the heart of God. I want you to take this time to get a hold of those things that need attention to and I'd like to pray for you. As you're in meditation there, can any of you relate to Naaman? Can you relate to the woman with the flow of blood? What do you need to deal with that leprosy in your life? Can you touch the Lord today? Will you allow him to deal with those things in you? Because those things are not meant to define you. Those things are meant to restore you. I want to enter into a moment of prayer here. Maybe if you want, you could stand. But I want to keep the reverence of the Lord here today. If today you need restoration, you need just prayer, you need a brother or sister just to get alongside you, you know that it's not in them. But maybe they'll come alongside you and hug you and pray with you. But together you just need someone, just I'm gonna come up and I want the Lord, I want him to deal with this leprosy. Because this leprosy is not who I am. I want to be restored back to the flesh of a child. So as we get ready, like to maybe sing a song or just spend some moment in worship here and prayer. If you just need prayer and just wanna get alongside someone, the front you're invited to come to the front here. If you want to get on your knees, you can. If you want to just stand. But I invite you to come to, this, to the front here, to where the steps are, and just cry out to the Lord. And just say, Lord, you know my leprosy. And maybe when you're done praying, there's someone maybe on their knees next to you. Maybe you could put your arm around them and just pray for one another. And say, Lord, I pray for my brother, that as you touch him, he touch you, that there would be encounters that there would be healing. I pray for my sister. Lift each other up during this time that we are in prayer, during this time that we're fasting. So as we like to say or as people say, you know, the altar is open. So in the sense of do you need to bring up your offering to the altar? Then let it be represented even in this. As you come up here for prayer, bring up the offering, bring up the leprosy and let us come before the presence of God. Let's spend a few minutes in this. Hallelujah, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Do a miracle, Lord.